If you open your Bible again to Hebrews 11, and we can follow together in the things that God has said. But we've been looking then today at the question, well, what is faith? What, what defines faith? Who ought our faith to be in? And we're using Abraham in this passage in Hebrews 11 as our example, as our guide in that. And we noticed this morning that, first of all, the call of faith. Do, do, do people just happen to be born with faith? Do people just happen to grow into faith? Where does faith come from? Well, very simply, I believe we've seen that God came. He spoke to, 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 to Abraham. He called him to go out. He called him to turn from the old life, from the worshipping of idols. And it reminds me of what Paul said in Romans, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. What did Abraham hear? He heard the word of God. And so in order to come to true faith, we are to hear the word of God. We are to be obedient as Abraham was to the call to come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the call of the gospel. Then we also looked at the continuation of faith in that whenever Abraham, he, he obeyed, he followed the Lord by faith, he was brought to the land which he had never seen before, never been to. And when he got to that land, his faith continued. It didn't end there. It carried on. But it continued even in the face of difficulty, even in the face of trouble. He didn't say, I don't want this anymore. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Even in the, the waiting of the fulfillment of certain promises that God had made to him, he didn't leave that faith. But it continued and therefore showed the, the effectualness of that faith. Then we come on to another definition and that is the certainty of faith. The certainty of faith. And we see this in verses 13 to 16. As I said, Abraham's an example as the father of the faithful. His obedience to God's call, his continuance to follow and trust in God. But we see here the certainty of his faith. Now it's interesting that in verse 15, it says there, or it's put in, that truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. And, you know, I'm sure doubts must have come. He must have wondered. He must have fought back to his family. He must have fought back to the old way of life. But he didn't go back, or else we wouldn't have this record in God's word, would we? He didn't go back because he had a certainty in his faith. And what was his certainty? Well, very simply, he was looking for what was ahead. That was what he was certain of. And Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 reminds us of this, that if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. And that was the certainty of his faith. He didn't look at what was before him in a sense, but he set his mind on what was above and what was ahead. 
And very simply, we see that Abraham was not content just with the city or with the country to which God had led him. It's interesting that from this country to which he received his inheritance, that from that land, the nation of Israel would grow. That it was through this nation and in this land to which the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come to this world. It's interesting that through this nation, through this land, that all the nations would be blessed. We have been blessed from what has taken place in this land to which Abraham was led to and received as an inheritance. It's also interesting to just keep in mind that it is to this land to which the Lord Jesus will return again one day. In Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4, it says this, that in that day, his feet, whose feet? The feet of the Lord Jesus Christ will stand on the Mount of Olives. Now, some people will have a different interpretation to me and say, well, it's allegorical. I believe in the literal interpretation of Scripture, and this is how literal that we know it's the Mount of Olives because of what's said next, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And on the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it will move toward the south. We have the literal return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he will come again to this land. And then from that, when he returns, we will see the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7 of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. You know, the governments want to keep going in our world and think they'll never end. Well, they are going to end, but there's going to be a government that will never end. And listen to this. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Where's all this happening? Where Abraham is. But he's not content just with that. He's still looking ahead. He knows that there's something more. Yes, in, in this life, God had a plan, he had a purpose for Abraham, that through him all these things were were going to happen. But Abraham's faith was certain of what was ahead. Well, what was ahead? What was he certain of? Well, in verse 10, he was certain of a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. He wasn't just looking to the city which would be built in the land to which he had moved and would grow. And then also in verse 16 we see see that he was looking ahead desiring a better, that is, a heavenly country. Not just the country in which he was living. That was the certainty of Abraham's faith. If you want a wee bit more detail, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, 
to the General Assembly and the Church of the Firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the Judge of all, to, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the Mediator of the New Covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of, of Abel. That's what he was looking for. That was what he was certain of that was ahead. We don't have time to go into it because we could spend a lot of time, but you can go home and read Revelation chapter 21. And it's amazing to think that Abraham, way back there in Genesis, was looking forward to what is spoken of in Revelation 21. I will just read a couple of verses. Revelation 21 and uh, verse 22 It says there, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there, and they shall Bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter in anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. That was the certainty of Abraham's faith. That was what he was looking forward to. In this world, we will be scorned because of the faith. That we profess. Because of the faith. That we possess. You know when you go chatting with people. You get this reaction. You believe what? What? They say the Bible's irrelevant. They say your God's irrelevant. But Abraham's faith was certain. That he was looking forward to what is far better. He was looking forward to be with his God and Savior. Look at verse 16 again. About this heavenly country, it says, Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. You might have family members who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and they may be ashamed of you because of the faith that you profess. But God is not ashamed of those who have faith in him. Have that faith, that true faith we were thinking about this morning that pleases him. That faith that comes to God and believes that he is. There in that that heavenly country, Abraham was certain that he was going to be in in a country which no longer despised him or ridiculed him or questioned him. But he was going to be in that country where God was not ashamed to be called their God. He was also looking forward to be in that city which is prepared. Is not what it says in verse 16? For he has prepared a city for them. We are going, just as Abraham was certain, the certainty of his faith that he was going to be in this country, to be in this city, that was prepared. Who? Who's to them? Well, it's those that we read about in Revelation chapter 21, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
How do you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Well, it's being obedient to the call of God. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. You know forgiveness of sin. You know cleansing. You know what it is to be in that relationship. You know what it is then to walk by faith. And then we know the blessing of going to that city that is prepared for them. Abraham was looking forward to being in a place where he would no longer be a stranger or a pilgrim. You looking forward to that? There's a lot of Christians who profess faith in Jesus and they're hoping to get there. Tonight we should be a people if we have true faith. It's certain. God has prepared a place. We are certain that we are heading to a far better country to be with him. Are you looking forward to that? Is that the certainty of your faith tonight? Just as Abraham, desiring, longing, as Paul put it, to be with Christ, which is far better. That ought to be the transformation that has taken place within us. That we look forward and we are certain of that. I just want to read a quote by somebody who said this. That all those long years Abraham identified himself not by the home he had left. Not by the place where he resided. But by the home he was seeking. And by the God who called him and gave him the promises he believed. Does that Is that what identifies you tonight? As one who has faith in God. That you're looking forward. You're desiring that better country. The certainty of faith. And then we see fourthly then in our passage. We see the confirmation of faith. We've looked at the call of faith. We've looked at the continuation of faith. We've just seen the certainty of faith. We see then the confirmation of faith. Of faith. And the, 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 the confirmation of faith is this a faith that is tested. That's what we read in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested. Now, to many, it will seem strange. Okay, let me put it like this. Just thinking of a conversation with, with somebody who has no faith. And they talk to you. Okay, you've got faith in God. Therefore, you please God. Therefore, you're looking forward to being with him. Why then would you face testing? Why then would you face trials? That's the question that that, that comes. If you're a person of faith, should your life not be happy? Should you not know unlimited joy and fulfillment and satisfaction like that? Can I just say that those sort of ideas come from those who preach a false gospel? How there are many who have come to Christ, whether truly or not, I I can't judge, but they have been promised such blessing 
and, uh, and hope and joy that whenever the first trouble or trial comes uh, across their ship track, they don't know what to do. When life goes wrong, they wonder, what's gone? What's happened? That's not what we've been promised. But the confirmation of test is not how much money's in your bank account. It's not how easy you're getting through life. The confirmation of true faith is a faith that is tested. That word testing that we read here has certain words that go along with it. To prove. To approve. To test the genuineness and strength of faith. Those are the words that are connected with that word testing. And so a proof, along with all the other aspects of what faith really is, is that God allows times of testing to confirm whether our faith is true or whether It's artificial. And so there's two reasons tonight why he allows testing. The confirmation of her faith. First of all, I've already mentioned it. To prove. To prove the reality of our faith in him. In 1 Peter, just a few pages along, if you want to look in 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 6 and 7, Peter says this, In this you greatly rejoice, Lo, now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As I said this morning, if somebody turns away and says, I've lost my faith. No, I'm disillusioned by my faith. Because of the things, the trials, the difficulties that come in life, then we've got to question, is it true faith? Is it real? But what we see tonight is that God allows those times of testing to prove the reality of it. Why? Why is it proved? so that it would be to the praise, to the honour, and to the glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2, we have the account of what is being mentioned here in Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19. And there, God comes and says this to Abraham, Take your son, Your only son Isaac, whom you love, offer him as a burnt offering. It's like rubbing salt more and more into the wound, isn't it? See the progression? Take your son, yes. Your only son, yes. Whom you love, yes. Offer him as a burnt offering. What if Abraham had said no? No, I'm not doing that. No, no, God, that's too far. That's stretching my faith. What would we have said? Let me put it like this. Abraham was willing to follow the Lord to this land to which God would bless him, would receive as an inheritance, that all the nations would be blessed. He was willing to enjoy great wealth. 
We know how other kings came to Abraham and looked for help financially. That's how wealthy he was. We know that Abraham enjoyed being held in, in high respect, high regard, even in a strange land. He has, a, has the blessing of Sarah giving birth to a child for which they have longed for so, so long. And, and they were beyond childbearing age. And yet the Lord miraculously provides them with a son. What if Abraham had enjoyed all that? Had received all that? And then said, no. Well, we would have said his faith was about being out for what he could get, wouldn't we? But that's not what's recorded. Because in Genesis 22 and verse 3, as God calls him to offer his only son, the one whom he loves, it says, So Abraham rose early in the morning. We see obedience. Again, we see obedience in the faith of Abraham. And I hasten to say, by what's recorded in verse 3 in Genesis 22, there was an eagerness in Abraham to obey God's command. He could have lay in to 10 o'clock, covers over his head, oh, too tired to get up. He could have delayed loading up the donkey. He says, oh, oh no, it's getting too late now, the evening's past, oh, we'll have to wait another time. We're good at that, aren't we, when we don't want to do something? But we see that Abraham rose early. It's contradictory, isn't it? What God had promised Abraham, what God had given to Abraham, and yet his command to Abraham just seems so contradictory. But what we see from Abraham, he doesn't say, oh Lord, let me pray about it a bit more. He said he rose early in the morning and he was obedient. I don't know, but maybe you're being tested at this time in your life. Maybe you've been going through a trial for some time. Maybe there's difficulty. Maybe you just wonder, when's it going to stop? Maybe the Lord's testing you by asking you, Something that seems so contradictory at this point in your life, at this stage. Is he proving your faith? So often we look at the, the circumstances. So often we, we, we try to figure it out in our minds, but this, but that. We, we try to set it in order and try to find a way through. But you know, instead of that, we need to maybe, like Job, not look at what way the Lord's testing us, but to look to God himself in the time of testing. What did Job say? When he has tried me, then I shall come forth as gold. So often our response to the times of testing can be negative. So often we can complain. And yet we need to remember what it says in Proverbs 17 and verse 3. That the refining pot is for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. 
And so who are we to question? Who are we to complain against God if he chooses to test our faith? If he chooses to command us or to to ask of us something that's contradictory to my own plans, who are we? It's him who knows the hearts. It's him who tests. I don't know in what way the Lord is testing you. I don't know in what way the Lord might test you. But will your response to that time of testing be like Abraham's to prove that you are truly his? To prove that you truly trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's faith. That's faith. You know, the confirmation of faith is not only found in the proving, but we see that the confirmation and another of faith and another reason for testing in that is to produce. It's to prove, but it's also to produce. To produce what? To produce a stronger, a deeper, a more mature faith. Just in the very next book, we come to James. James chapter 1, and we read what is written there. James chapter 1 and verse 2. My brother, that's believers, that's you and I. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Somebody said this, that the testing of faith drives believers to deeper communion and greater trust in Christ. Qualities that in turn produce stable Godly and righteous character. It seems Abraham wasn't flustered. I'm only going by the text. I'm only going by the passages that are recorded for us, that are revealed. It seems Abraham wasn't flustered at the tests that God had brought to him at this point in his life. How do I say that? Well, because Isaac just seems to think that he's going with his father to offer a sacrifice and worship to his God like Abraham had normally done. And Isaac went along with him and there's no record that Isaac fought anything differently. But look at how far Abraham's faith and trust in the Lord was willing to go. We see it in verse 9. That Abraham concluded that God was able to raise Isaac up even from the dead. Had Abraham ever witnessed anything like this before? I don't know, but I don't think so. It's not recorded. And yet, that was his faith in God. He believed, concluded, well, if I have to sacrifice my son, my only son whom I love, who the Lord has provided for, he has kept his promises, then I believe God will raise him from the dead. He knew, and his faith was this, that God was able. Again, how we focus so much on the circumstances, how much we focus on the contradiction of the Lord's testing. But oh, that we would have such faith whose eye is on God and whose faith is in his power. 
in his ability, not our ability, in his. That our faith would produce such deeper, a deeper relationship, a deeper trust, a more mature, almost coming to the point like Abraham, concluding that God is able. He is able. We know that from uh, Genesis uh, chapter 22 that Abraham passed this test because in verse 12 of Genesis 22, Abraham did everything that the Lord had asked of him. That it took the angel of the Lord to appear to Abraham and say, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. It took the, an angel of the Lord to stop him from going through fully in obedience to God's command. If you look in James chapter 2, and verse 20. James chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, But do you want to, to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works. And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. We see Abraham's faith proven. We see that it produced such depth that he was described as even as the friend of God. Faith's confirmation, the confirmation of true faith, isn't saying, I believe in God. It isn't even saying, I love Jesus. But it's how much do you trust him? It's how far would that trust go in him? What length would that faith go to be obedient and to follow him. It was by Abraham's faith tested that it was proven and that it produced a deeper love and a deeper trust in God. You know, we have to sort of look at the reality of Abraham's life. We might think, oh, he's a perfect man. It wasn't always like that with Abraham. He went to Egypt and he lied. We know that there were certain things not right about Abraham's life. But what's interesting to notice is that this command, this test came at a later stage in Abraham's life. And what we notice is that each experience Abraham had that's recorded for us anyway, he walked with God so much and so closely to this very point that he was obedient even to offer up his only son. That's how deep, that's how far and close he went with his gods. We have the words of the Lord Jesus himself. And he says in John 14 and verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's faith. Again, we could go to John's first epistle. 
in 1 John and chapter 5 and verse 2 by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments for less is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. What sort of faith would we have if the Lord Jesus were to say to us like he said to those in his day, why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do the things that I say? Sadly, there are many who profess but yet their lives do not prove that they're truly the Lord's, that they're walking with him, that they're keeping his commandments, they're doing as he says, nor does it produce that, that maturing, that growing, that deeper relationship with him. And so there's a challenge there. Is our faith confirmed? In such a way that it brings glory, honour and praise that if the Lord Jesus were to return right now and call us to be with himself, to catch us up together to be with him so that we will be with him forever, would we be ashamed of this coming? Or would we have lived such a life, such a testimony that glorifies him? The hymn writer put it like this as we close. Now just summing up everything that we thought about faith today. The hymn writer said this, The price is high, severe the test for those who would enjoy God's best. Surrender all, then take the road with those who will go through with God. Will that be our testimony? Is that our desire tonight? That our faith would be confirmed that we are willing to go through with him whatever the cost, whatever the command, that we want to be a people that are proven. We want to be a people that have a faith that has produced a stronger and deeper and more mature. May God help us today in the things that we have read from his word and that have come to us, and that we will continue to grow and develop and stand for the faith, not our faith, but let us be certain and sure and to, to tell others what faith really is, that they too would come to know the Lord Jesus. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the many insights we thank you for the many encouragements. We thank you even for the many challenges that come. And, O oh Lord, we realize that you do bring those times of testing for a reason and for a purpose. And, Lord, we just ask that you would help us as your people to see your loving hand in those difficulties and to trust you. And, like Abraham, to be eager to be obedient, even in the difficult times. O oh Lord, may we be sure and certain that we are of the faith. And we read in your word that when the Lord Jesus comes back, will he find the true faith? O oh Father, may we be a people tonight who are in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we ask for help 
that, Lord, day by day, even in this next week, that we would live out your word, and, Lord, that your word would, and truth of it, would sanctify us. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.